Isn't it funny how like there, like everyone has like one of those different words that we just for whatever reason we forget how to spell or yeah. like how it sounds or something. Like I can spell guardian, I can spell necessary, I can spell all of those words. Like the the really <laughs> hard ones that everybody messes up. Yeah. But then like candles. <laughs> Is it E L or L E? Like it's always those, and that's the only like letter switch that right. trips me up. Yeah. It's like I know all the I before E except after C unless it's weird or. And I hate it because like. It's like in the moments that you least want that to happen where you're like, I should know how to spell this and people should know how to spell this. And for right now, I look dumb for not knowing how to spell this. And it's always in the worst moments. It's yeah. never like when you're at home or whatever, when you're trying to yeah, Google something. Yeah, it's always when you're in front of people. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, I still have that poetry class I need to teach on Monday. Come on. That'll be fun, right? Yeah. I can, I can do that. Yeah. All right, let's go. All right. This is the Always More Podcast. Hello and hello. It is April 20th and welcome to the... Oh, <laughs> nice. Welcome to the Always More Podcast where we believe there's always more room at the table for honest questions, meaningful conversations, and deeper understanding. Today on the pod, we are talking about scented candles, comedian history, sticky car wreck, Immortal serial killers and an interview with the one and only Carlos Hernandez. But first, I am your host, Tim Lichty, and sitting across from me is my best friend in the whole entire world, Christopher. And it's just me. There's no one else here today. <laughs> I'm kind of bummed about it. I, I know. Harley. I know. We love Harley. She uh, she needed a break, and so that is perfectly 1,000% okay. I, uh, 999% <laughs> okay. It, it's not 1,000% okay. We're going to do our best to be as entertaining as Harley. That's that's the really— that's Without the, Harley. that That's going to be the challenge. That is the really. struggle here. <laughs> I, uh, I was actually talking to my wife, and she is so glad we added Harley because she actually hates this podcast without Harley. She told me that. In her own words, she said, this podcast is truly terrible without Harley, and you guys should never record without her again. That's where the one-star review came from. <laughs> she fixed it when Harley started, but... Right. Know. No, I'm just kidding. She never said that. But she does like Harley on the podcast. Yes, as we all do. Man, we, we love Harley, and we'll see her again probably in the next episode. Uh, but we still have a great show. We have a, a fantastic interview with Carlos coming up in a few. Really pumped about that. Yes, it's going to be really good. Um, and we just have a great show. So we're ready to dive in. Chris, are you ready to dive in? I guess I am. All right, well, let's start off with our Wreck and Rev. And this is a part of the show where we kind of give you some recommendations and reviews of things that we've liked and Before we do that, though, I just want to say I was reading the notes, like, what you typed in, and it says, I'm your host, Harley Bianco, because she was supposed to be here. Yes. And it made me sad all Aww. over again. <laughs> uh, yes. I I'll, I'll, to fix, it. That. I'll fix that. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so I'm starting off today with my Wreck and Rev, and mine is a podcast by the name of... Actually, Chris, I think you'll really like this one, because... You're probably right. You you, you like listening, com, listen, listening, my God, listening to comedians. I do. You, it's one of my favorite things. Right. Uh, and you like history. Like, you're not, like, in love with it, but you like history. I do like history. Uh, this is a podcast called The Dollop with Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds. Have you heard of any of those dudes? I have not. Um, and so this, these are comedians, Dave and Gareth. They pick a subject from history and examine it. Now, if you don't like history, that's fine. You do you. 
that that you're right. You're wrong, but go on. <laughs> um, but these guys, I mean, they're comedians, and they pick random subjects. Like, I, I decided to start with, um, they talked about Benedict Arnold. Okay. And it's just, they, they dissect his life. They talk about everything from the beginning to his treacherous, you know, moment where he betrays the his United betrayal. States. betrayal. Uh, by the way, if you his, know the story of Benedict, uh, right? If you know his story, you kind of understand why he did it. Like, yeah, it still sucks that he was a traitor, but he was treated really bad by the U.S. government at the time. Yeah, I I remember reading some stories about it, and like, I would probably have defected too. <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> like as a kid, you know, you're like, oh, Benedict Arnold is the worst. I would never betray my country. But then you figure out like. All the stuff they did to him yeah. specifically and all the stuff that they were going to do to the people that he disagreed with. Yeah. And he's just like, you know what? Maybe we need to find another way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, this this podcast is really entertaining. Um, it's it, it, They have a lot of improv with it, of course, and they have like a lot of like, rabbit trails. But they Is always- it anything like Drunk History? Kind of. Because that's like one of my favorite shows on Hulu. Yeah, kind of like that. It's, it's a little bit different. Um, they, I mean... I guess. I guess just less drunk. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. They could it be. It might be. It <laughs> might not be. Who knows? Uh, we just don't tell you. But uh, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, highly recommend it. If you like like to listen to history, or even if you don't, but you want to try to get into it, this is a great way to find yourself. Because there's a lot of history podcasts out there, but some of them are just a lot of just dry. And so right. uh, this one is definitely entertaining. I will probably check that out today as I'm driving around then. You should. I will. Start with the Benedict one. Let me know. Don't tell me what to do. Okay. Chris, what you got? All right. So mine is actually, weirdly enough, that we're not doing shows and movies right now because of all the stuff that's come out. <laughs> like, I could review Moon Knight. Oh, um, but we had, we had a whole episode. Yeah, we, we did a whole thing on that, so we're not, we're not going to do that. Um, mine is a little show that I discovered. Tim, I don't know if you've uh, actually seen it or not, called Ted Lasso. Um, this show, I'm just kidding. You're a jerk. <laughs> such a jerk <laughs> i still haven't watched it i'm sorry i'll get to it eventually uh no mine is a book that i just started called scythe by neil schusterman hmm. so this book is like a, a young adult sci-fi thing it's in the same vein of storytelling as um hunger games oh, okay. and uh, divergent and all of those do they already which, have a movie slated you know <laughs> i haven't even checked but probably <laughs> Or an Amazon Prime show. That's that's usually <laughs> it's one or the other. If you know what, actually, let me see. Is there? Let's see. I'll I'll look it up right now. Um, while I'm looking that up, though, this book is basically like in the future. It's a not really dystopian future. It's kind of a utopia. Yeah. Okay. So all medical reasons for death, natural causes, all of that stuff have been eliminated. Everybody basically is effectually immortal okay which is really cool um but as you can imagine there are some problems with overpopulation mm. and that always becomes the issue wait a second don't we have a movie about this uh logan's run was very similar to that yeah but uh, no what's the one with jared leto um oh what is that movie? Uh, mr nobody yeah i mean that's uh, it's kind of in the same vein yeah okay but uh, Scythe is an upcoming movie adaptation. There it yep. is. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, so they're definitely making a movie. Um. Anyway, so it is basically the story of this uh, these two kids, essentially, uh, Citra and Rowan, who are chosen to be apprenticed to a Scythe. Okay. Now, a Scythe is the government's um, Grim Reaper, basically. Okay. So since... 
overpopulation is still a thing, they have to get rid of people somehow. So the government uses this AI to figure out who's going to die and when, and then they send these people out to go do that. The sites are basically given, like, carte blanche. They can do whatever they want. They can kill people however they want. Some of them are, like, mass murderers, and they'll go do, like, a shooting at the mall. Some of them are, like, individual. They'll go shoot somebody in the head. Some of them use knives. Some of them kill with their bare hands. Should you be reading this book right now? They can do whatever they want. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's actually really cool. It it doesn't focus too much on that. Oh, okay. Uh, so far, I I'm only like two chapters in, uh, but so far it doesn't focus too much on that. But basically, the sites are like the the heroes, the gods of this society. Yeah, they're looked up to and feared at the same time, and they pick these two kids to be their apprentices. They're teaching them how to be sites as well, and like. The, the first thing that they say is like, oh, I, I don't want this. And they're like, well, that's rule number one. You don't want to want it. <laughs> we don't want people that want to do this. Right. We want people that don't want to do this. Uh, so I'm really excited to see where the story goes. So far, it's pretty good. Got a lot of really cool word choices. Um, it's won a few awards, the National Book Award. Um, the author, like I said, Neil Schusterman, has been doing a lot of really cool stuff. Why does that name sound familiar? He's probably done some other stuff that you've read, or it's just that that's a really common name. Yeah. Neil and then Schusterman, I guess. Let me see if he's done anything else you've, you might have read. Anything? Uh, Neil Schusterman, he's a New York Times bestselling author. Let's see his books. He's done a lot of books for kids, teens, and adults. Hmm. Um... Unwind, Unbound. Oh, oh, yeah. I think Jessica likes those books. Antsy Bonanno, Star Shards, Skin Jacker. That Ooh. sounds weird. Ooh. Dark Fusion, Shadow Club. Those first few sounded very familiar. I Jess think, has probably read yeah, these. I, I doubt you have. They're not really your cup of tea. But. I haven't read fiction in forever. I, yeah. think the, I think the last thing I read fictional was Lord of the Rings, to be honest. <laughs> well, I read that like once a year, so... It's probably the last thing I read fictional too before this, but so far it's pretty cool. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna check it out. I'll let you guys know how I like it, and we'll go from there. Sweet. All right. Well, that was our wreck and rev, and we are moving right along to talk about Chris's. Wait, is that what we're doing? Yeah. Oh shoot, I missed it. You got a button for it, but <laughs> I have a button for it. It is time for Chris's shower thoughts. So why do we think that? All animals can talk to each other. Like in movies and stories and all that stuff. Like people don't understand animals half the time, but all the animals can communicate with each other, regardless of their species. Like humans, when we talk, we don't all speak the same language, so we can barely all communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Why do we just assume that animals can? Like all of their noises are different. Is, is that a mass assumption? Yeah. Watch Lion King, dude. The, the meerkats, the <laughs> warthogs, the zebras. Everybody can talk. They're all singing the same songs. <laughs> they all know what's going oh, on. Oh, so you're like, talking about from species to species. Yeah, like why would a lion be able to communicate oh, yeah. with a meerkat? Yeah, I don't think – it's kind of like how plants can communicate. There's They communicate, but not in the way that we can comprehend. I think, too, that I don't think – I think animals can kind of in a way communicate. Because you've seen like – I mean you have a – a cat and a dog, and you've seen how they kind of interact with one another. Yeah, but they don't talk to each other. No. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's just, it's a different form of communication. Like, they don't talk, use words. There's no animal in the world that does that other than us and in sort of that a way. That we know of. 
But like wolves and foxes, they'll like howl and other wolves understand what they're saying. That's how they communicate. That's how they hunt in groups. Right, but it's not complex. So they're talking to each other. Not that we know. <laughs> but they're talking to each other for sure. I like I could see But th- why do we assume that a wolf and an owl can talk to each other? Like Oh yeah. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't see that being a I mean, other than like basic forms of like you're getting too close like let me snar at you kind of thing. Yeah, like um, ah. right. But yeah, any kind of anything complex. I mean, even species even animals of the same species can hardly do that so i yeah i don't see that so why is that such a big trope in like movies and stuff i mean i'm sure it's probably just for the ease of storytelling right. but why not make it more realistic yeah i don't know because it won't sell i don't know <laughs> it would if we did it from the beginning of time that's all i'm saying animals don't all talk to each other it makes you think too like what if or like- if they do they just don't like humans we're excluded from the club because we got all uppity, and they're like, oh, y'all want to start building buildings and, <laughs> you and your flying planes? <laughs> nah, screw you guys. You're out. <laughs> you would, I wonder, too, if—I I bet you there's got to be a scientific study. Because, like, I will grant you this. Like, whales and dolphins can, can communicate with one another. It's not—again, it's not complex sentences, but they can, like, communicate with one another. So I wonder if there's, like, different dialects— like, even within species. Like a South Bronx whale <laughs> talking to a, a, a whale from California. Right, right. <laughs> hey, hey, yo. Hey, watch out for that boat over there. It's going really fast. It almost hit, it hit my buddy over here in the tail. What you want to tell the orcas right now? What's up, baby? Take me out to dinner. Hey, yo. Oh man! Like you imagine, like West Coast dolphins are different than East Coast dolphins, and throwing just... up gang signs <laughs> with their flippers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, our braids are weird. <laughs> oh man! All I know is that if the dolphins and whales can communicate, they better be doing it for a porpoise. <laughs> oh, ah, uh, ah, yeah, for, for a porpoise. Get it? I know. I get it. No, like get the it. animal, not the word purpose, but porpoise. There's an animal called a porpoise. I'll fight you right now. <laughs> All right, good, good, good shower thought, Chris. Very, very nice. Thank you. It was, it was Thank very you. Very intellectual and deep, deep. Uh, it I, is time to <laughs> as deep as it gets, anyway. It About is, as deep as my shower. <laughs> what does that even mean? It's very shallow. <laughs> Never heard that term. Shallow as a shower. No. <laughs> All right, you need to listen to more music. Okay. Uh, let's move along to one of our favorite segments, and that is... What did I miss? Yes. All oh, right. Yes. This is the part of the show where we like to present to you some news that you probably didn't hear about. All right. Chris, how do you feel about eels? Don't like them. Don't like them at nope. all? Nope. You ever like been to a petting zoo or an aquarium and try to touch eels or anything? I have. I punched an eel once. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, short story. Give it to me. I went to an aquarium and I punched an eel. <laughs> Just... That's the whole story. <laughs> Just because? Or like, yeah. How many people do you know can say I've punched an eel? <laughs> I've also punched a shark. I've punched a manatee. <laughs> I've punched a dolphin. Like the manatee. Or not the manatee. <laughs> Wait. A man- when have you, you've never been in contact with manatee. You were making that up. No, I've punched a manatee. When? Where? At an aquarium in Florida. I don't believe you. You don't have to believe me. It happened. <laughs> There's a lot of animals I've punched. I've punched a lion. I've punched a tiger. I've punched a bear. I've punched a lot of animals. All right. Well, okay. Have you ever punched a slimy eel? I have not. All right. Or, well, I mean, not that I know of. I don't know what kind of eel it was. <laughs> I just punched it. 
Okay, so last month, a large truck carrying thousands of hagfish, also known as slime eels, uh, was caught in a dramatic accident, which left the truck, the car, and the entire section of the road covered in a mucus-like slime from said hagfish. Double gross. You see the pictures? I did, and I'm not looking at them again. <laughs> you put them in the notes like I was supposed to enjoy them, and I'm, I'm not going to. That's disgusting. I would have put this in our story in our show notes, guys. You have to check this out. So according to National Geographic, this slime is no Nickelodeon slime, but rather a self-defense mucus quickly released by these deep-sea scavengers when felt under threat. You know what it looks like. I know exactly what it looks like, but we're not going there, Chris. Uh, Douglas Fudge, a, by the way... What a what? name. <laughs> Doug Fudge. <laughs> Attorney at law. Biomaterial researcher. You were just wondering, like, what are parents thinking? Like, like I mean, it's not a bad name, but you're like, you could have done something a little bit better. I think my favorite name that I thought about this morning, just out of the blue, we went to middle school with this guy named Sean Hahn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just love that name. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, sorry, Doug, sorry, this is nothing against you or your profession. Uh, Douglas Fudge, a biomaterials researcher at Chapman University in California, said, quote, The slime sets up very quickly and is incredibly good at sticking to and clogging gills, so fish typically uh, uh, abort their attacks on, on hackfishes because they can't deal with the slime, end quote. Makes a lot of sense. Hackfish gets under attack, excretes this slime that gets stuck in the gills and effectively... You know, it could kill the fish. So is that something like grown-up fish tell little fish, like, hey, if you see a hagfish and it puts slime out, you'll die. Right, yeah. Leave. I mean, yeah. Or is it just like a natural thing, like they're like, oh, I got to avoid this stuff, and they just swim away? I don't know. I would imagine it's... They, it's they probably talk about it yeah. in their own languages. <laughs> right. Not to the hagfish. <laughs> Okay, so again, this isn't the slime you'd imagine from the Nickelodeon Award show. In order to get this slime taken off of the road, it took a small bulldozer, a bulldozer, to remove it from the middle of the road. Unfortunately, most of the fish died in the accident. Oh. Um, but guys, you need to look at these pictures. It looks like a horror. It looks like Stranger Things, like, but in real life, like this slime, and apparently it's really sticky, and it just looks horrible and nasty. It does not look like Stranger Things. It looks like the porno ripoff of Stranger <laughs> Things. That's all I'm saying. It's nasty and gross and yet interesting because it's like this nature, I'm nature made this. yet curious. <laughs> uh, yeah, so no positive news this week, but uh, very interesting to say the least. Chris, you're next. <laughs> all right. So mine is a lot less gross, but also gross in a different way. I agree. Uh, so... A receipt for invisible artwork auctioned off this week for nearly $1.2 million. Do tell, please. Uh, Sotheby's, which is a auction company, said the receipt, part of Klein's imaginary art series, Zones of Immaterial Pictorial Sensibility, had been expected to fetch about 551000 but it surpassed expectations by fetching a total of $1,151,467.40. Why are we here in time in history where we are purchasing receipts for non-existent things? This is basically an NFT, bro. A $1.2 million NFT. That's exactly what happened. An old NFT, like one of the first NFTs. <laughs> 
But the guy didn't even make the art. Right. He was selling receipts for art he conceptualized, which means he thought about this and was like, hey, wouldn't this be a cool piece of art? I'll let you buy the idea for $1.2 million. And people were like, yes, I've got to have it. <laughs> for a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. So the weird thing is the receipt was dated uh, December 7th, 1959, which is a few years before the artist uh, died in 63. The auction house said that receipts are rare today because Klein invited buyers to participate in a ritual that involved burning the receipt and throwing half of the gold into the scene river. Wow. In order to make the buyer the definitive owner of the conceptual artwork. So they bought this thing and he gave them a receipt. And then he said, All right, now burn your receipt and throw half of the money that you guys are paying into the river. And they did it. Uh, yeah. What? I, I don't. I, I, maybe, maybe. Someone out there, if you know more detail as to why this might make sense, then let us know. It but. doesn't make sense. There's no one out there that knows because it doesn't make sense. It, there's no way it can. <laughs> the receipt originally issued to antiques dealer Jacques Kugel was one of the hundred items being auctioned by Sotheby's on behalf of art advisor and former gallery owner uh, Loic Malley. I don't know how to say that. Sotheby's said Klein's conceptual artwork predicted the rise of cryptocurrency and the exchange of NFTs. See? There you go. They, they said the same thing. It's, yeah. These are NFTs, basically. Uh, some have likened the transfer of a zone of sensitivity and the invention of receipts as an ancestor of the NFT, which itself allows the exchange of immaterial works. Mm. If we add that Klein kept a register of the successive owners of the zones, it's easy to find here another revolutionary concept, the blockchain. Wow. I don't know if you're familiar with NFTs, but it's basically a way that people can spend money on things that don't exist yes. and say that they own them. Yes. And there's a blockchain out there somewhere, which is just a digital record of who bought it at what time. Right. And for how much. That's exactly what this was back in 1959. Yeah. So even NFTs are not a new thing. Are, are, we, are, we, just, are we just getting old? Like, like, you ever wonder that? Like, are we... I don't want to get into the same trap as like, so like you know, internet. That's gonna fade away. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I want to say no, but this stuff just boggles my mind, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I'm old or if it's because it's genuinely stupid. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll really know in like five to ten years, but I mean, at the rate of what technology, how technology is expanding. I mean, I thought the same thing about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is here to stay. So who knows? Right. Who knows? I should have bought Bitcoin when I had the chance. Yeah. Also, I didn't have any money, so that that was the other thing. Well, yeah. But yeah, so there you go. That's my uh, yay society and that's capitalism. That's my what did I miss? People. So from slime meals to eighty-year-old NFTs. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, guys. We have a fantastic interview just right around the corner. So don't go away. We will be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back from the break. We are here today with a dear friend of mine uh, that I've known for quite a while. It's been many years, I would say. And uh, Mr. Hernandez is a 
what is your official job title? Because I feel like I used to know it, and I feel like it might have changed yeah. recently. Uh, it has changed multiple times, uh, <laughs> and it will probably still continue to change from week to week uh, at any given moment. Right now, I, my <laughs> my title, if you call it, is just associate pastor. Okay, awesome. awesome. Over whatever's needed. See, I time. thought that had happened. I just yeah. wanted to double clarify. <laughs> so he is associate pastor at Grace Christian Center in yes, here in Killeen, Texas, <laughs> and um, Carlos is one of the most coolest guys I genuinely know, and wow. uh, and I. I I was telling um, I was telling Chris because we have this when we started the podcast we mm-hmm. we we started creating a list of people that we want to interview whether yeah. it's for intellectual reasons or just for specific you know topics or right. whatever and uh, one of the first people on my list was you because wow. um, I've always enjoyed when I worked at Grace uh, going down to your office uh-huh. and just having fun or talking seriously or <laughs> uh, joking about graphics or joking about right. movies and whatever yeah. it was I've always. Uh, I've always left your office in a better place. Wow. And, uh, and so that's why you're here, Mr. Hernandez. Wow. How- I feel honored. <laughs> My gosh. Okay. <laughs> How you do it today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm in a good place uh, mentally, spiritually, and, and overall, I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if you don't mind, for those who maybe don't know who you are, would you mind kind of just giving us a little detail about who you are, who you know, and yeah. uh, what you do? I can do that. Well, I you know, I was military brat growing up. My father was in the military. We didn't move a whole lot, just moved a couple of times. But um we ended up we were here in the Fort Hood Colleen area at one time and then when he my father retired out of the military, uh we ended up uh coming back here. Uh we lived in Maryland for a little while. But we ended up coming back here and, and stayed in this area in the Colleen Fort Hood area and that's where I've been. That's where I met my wife Toby and uh and our wonderful daughter Tierra, and we got a son uh, named Carlos the second. <laughs> call him Little Los. He, Lil not Lose. so little. He's about he's taller than me now. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and that's what's up. And I've, you know, I've worked at a particular nonprofit uh, church or organization in the area called Grace Christian Center. I've worked there for twenty years. Wow. So pretty much most of my adult life thus far, since the age of nineteen, wow. and serving in multiple capacities, uh, and and. Just, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just an ordinary dude, you know. I, I love to chill. I love to cook. I love to um, listen to music. I'm trying to work out more lately. Uh, for a minute there, my health was just kind of bad and just taking a dive. And I said, I got to get this right. <laughs> I got to keep the ticker ticking and, and my heart going. And I, you know, I got more to live for than just myself. So I really kind of uh, up my game as far as my health goes. Um not just physically, but also my soul health too. Mm. You know, making sure my soul is healthy, my emotions are right and balanced because that's important, especially for a man. Yeah, because you know? that's something we tend to not do is take care of our soul. And so I've been really intentional about that as well. But I mean, I don't know. I love hip hop music. I, you know, I'm a hip hop <laughs> head for life. You know, I love. But at the end, of the day, I love all music. I really yeah. do. Um, it's just hip hop is what helped raise me. You yeah, know what I'm saying so to speak. You know, right. Uh, uh, but I love, I do love all music. You know, and entertainment. You know, I'm, I'm big on cinema and film and, yeah. all, and all that. So, yeah. well, our, Carlos, since you brought it up, this was actually one of the things <coughs> I wanted to talk to you about because one mm-hmm. of the things that I've always overheard, and granted, I have very little experience in, uh-huh. uh, is the music that you grew up listening to. Because right. what, what year did you graduate? If you don't mind me asking, I graduated the year 2000. And you went to Colleen High School? I went to Colleen High School for, yeah, for most of my high school. I went to 
Meade High School in Fort Meade, Maryland for about half a semester. Okay. That was a tough school. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Side note, the year prior to me going there when I was in eighth grade, um, we had to do, you know, you do a little trip to the high school that you're going to and then the mm. counselors walk you through. Um, but we had to delay that trip like a couple of weeks because just prior to that, um, there was like a r- little race riot. Oh, my um, gosh. You know, between black kids and the white kids and even the, the Latino kids in the high school. Why? And then two weeks later, we're driving over, you know, in the bus load and, Hey y'all, we're gonna do a tour of the school. Now we're all shaking in our boots <laughs> like this is where we're going. And it ended up being a tough school. So wow. But we, uh, I only got through about halfway the year, and then we ended up coming back down to Colleen Forehead area. So we ended, I ended up at Colleen High School, which wasn't a whole lot better at that time. <laughs> I, I ran into a bunch of gang members, and, and but the thing was, I was cool with all of them though. But it was Bloods, Crips, gang, GD, Gangster Disciples. I mean, I. Latin, you know, Latin Kings. They were all there back, 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 back in them days at in Colleen. But, <laughs> but hey, it was a cool experience, man. But yeah, class of two thousand. What, what an adjective! A cool experience. Cool. It was cool. <laughs> well, I survived it, it. I survived it. Praise God. Well, the reason why I'm gonna ask is because I, I know you were uh, you brought up music and you brought yeah. up music during that time, and so yeah. uh, Chris wanted to ask you uh-huh. because he's been trying to get into uh, music from the '90s a little oh, bit yeah. more, and so he wanted to ask you. It's something he always asks people that would know something or two about it uh-huh. is a uh, big ear Tupac. Ooh, <laughs> see, I got Tupac on my shirt right now. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Um, <laughs> that's hard because um, I'm a fan of both. Okay, I've always enjoyed. Um, Tupac Shakur's music, and I don't know because you're talking about two different type of artists, rap mm. artists. Though um, Tupac, when he initially came out, he was more of and it was all, always at the core a revolutionary. Mm. You know, his mother was a Black Panther, and um, the, you know his, the people that she ran with they were all Black Panthers, and so he had that in him mm-hmm. to be more of a, a rev, revolutionary uh, type of individual, and uh, and. And Notorious B.I.G. or Christopher Wallace, you know, Biggie Smalls, uh, he, he grew, he just grew up in Brooklyn, you know, and uh, was actually a good kid, a great kid. Mm. Uh, fell in kind of with the wrong crowd and that, that wrong crowd ended up being his crew, Junior Mafia, that he rolled with. But it was always just a good dude. And, yeah. uh, and he was a lyricist to the core uh, and uh, one of the greatest. So I don't know, in terms of of lyrical Wizardry, if I can use that term, I'd, I'd have to say, um, ah, I'd have to say Notorious B.I.G., Christopher Wallace, Biggie Smalls. All right. In terms of passion and uh, just the just the way he lived his life, uh, which was just on the edge and off the chain, Tupac Shakur. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like because of your environment, because of the schools that you went to, do you um, feel like they were a big influence on you and maybe your friends, or was it more just something in the background? No, I think they were a big influence, uh, especially in because in my middle school, spilling into my high school years, it was kind of middle school more so was at the height of the East Coast, West Coast mm-hmm. beef and hip hop, um, historical beef, really perpetuated by the media. Right, um, but it really, it boiled down to Tupac Shakur and, and Biggie Smalls in their camps, Death Row Records at that time, uh, and uh, Bad Boy, which was run by Sean Puffy Combs, P Diddy's what they call him, yeah, uh, and Biggie, uh, and and really it was it, it wasn't a wasn't a whole legit beef. A lot of it stemmed <laughs> from Tupac Shakur. Yeah, but I think it was the individuals that that he was around that fed into him, 
as far as fueling that whole West West Coast. And at the end of the day, Tupac Shakur ain't even from the West Coast. He's not even from California. <laughs> he's from he's from New York, New York, New Jersey area. You know, he ended up he ended up that, he ended up moving out that way later on in life. But he's not, you know, at the end of the day, he's East Coast too. Was it something that they kind of sparked up the flame a little bit to keep that attention and keep that, or do you or do you feel like there really was some real beef that they kind of, you know, I think with each other. I think a lot of that was just hyped up, especially by. The Death Row crowd, Death Row Records on the West Coast, mainly probably from Suge Knight, mm. uh, which who was the CEO of Death Row Records at that time. Uh, and not to say that Puffy didn't maybe feed into it some as well, uh, but I, I I think it was less on the part of Tupac and Biggie and more so on, on the camps that were behind them yeah. and the, the CEOs that were behind them that could have been kind of fueling that thing. Mm. And then you add the media to it. It hypes it up, right. and then it's a money maker because it's news. You yeah, know? yeah. But at the end of the day, it resulted in the death of two of the some of the two of the most amazing, not even hip hop, but just artists in general right. uh, of my generation. It was tragic. I cried when Tupac died, right. and I cried like a baby when Biggie died. And it was yeah, it, yeah, it touched me. It's like two of my cousins done passed away. Wow. Yeah, it was it was that real for me. You know, even though I mean I was a kid in the '90s, so I don't remember any of that. But I do years later. It felt like um, it, it felt like something I always kind of had in the background. I think it was just mm-hmm. so big of an event of mm-hmm. just that whole rivalry and all of just the the yeah. wave of that type of music. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I still to this day can't think of anything that matches that yeah. uh, when it comes to music. Anyways, not really. There was not. There's not never been a beef. You know, never been that type of beef that now that rivals that. Yeah. Yet, you know, I, I hadn't. Not that I can attest to. So yeah. R.I.P. Uh, Biggest Malls, R.I.P. Tupac Shakur. There you go. Um, so, so here's a question then uh, to kind of piggyback off of that. Yeah. If you could, theoretically, uh-huh. bring back any artist uh-huh. from the 90s, yeah. dead or alive, uh-huh. and kind of bring them back into today's pop culture, yeah. who would it be? Wow. That's a tough one. Who do you think would maybe thrive in today's culture? <laughs> I guess that might be a better question. Man. <clears throat> I would, you know, and not even necessarily from the nineties, because his peak was the his peak was really the eighties. But I would say Michael Jackson, oh, the king of pop, um, really. Who you know his his reign bled into the nineties, but really, like I said, his peak was 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 the eighties, right? You know? Um, you know, his career, you know, spawned in the seventies, but in the eighties is really when he hit his peak, especially with Thriller, uh, which is I believe still like one of the yeah. number one most. You know, selling albums of all time. Right. I think if Michael Jackson were to come back now, mind you, from a collaborative level and mm. in, in collaboration with some of the artists from today, I think he would. Yeah, he, he'd be. He'd be who running. Do you, who do you think he would collab with? Oh, or do you man. think he would? You know, gel with. I'm trying to think. Who would he collab? I think he would collab good with uh, individuals like Lady Gaga. Ooh. Um, Ooh, that's a good hot take mm-hmm. there. I like that sound. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear uh, Michael Jackson and Michael Bublé. Uh, wow. I think they would, I think it would kill it. It sounds odd. That is, I never thought of it. But I think they would do something <laughs> creative. I think Michael Jackson and, uh, Michael Jackson and Justin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, Justin Bieber, when he's in, he's in his right mind, you know. <laughs> Lord bless him, well, you know. there's a stipulation yes, there, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If he can, yeah, I think that'd be dope, too. Um Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson and Chris Brown. Ooh. Again, another individual. If he could just, 
pick his up, pick himself up, and get, <laughs> get his mind straight and be sober enough and uh, to do it. I think him because for a minute that it was calling Chris Chris Brown, you know, the next uh, possibly the next Michael Jackson, right? Um, because he, the the way he the way he sang, his vocal tone, and the way he danced and everything was just so similar, and you could clearly see he derived his inspiration from him. So that would be cool one. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, you had mentioned it earlier. I'm changing directions here a little bit. You mentioned earlier that you uh, you like movies, and I that's, do. that's something that you and I definitely yeah. uh, have some common thread. And we've 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 had many discussions about movies. And uh-huh. so, uh, I wanted to ask you, man, uh, just a, just generally, what are some of your favorite films as of late, like past few years? Maybe something that you feel like maybe stands out. Maybe other people haven't paid att- attention yeah. to. Let me think, because I'm real discriminatory towards film and cinema and movies. Um. I can't see. That's the thing. Something has to really hit me. I can't think of anything as of late, even over the past few years, that really struck me. I did like the Batman, the, the yeah. newest take on that with the Riddler and um, um, his name Pattinson. Um, I thought that was really good, and it kind of really went back into the comic roots of it. Uh, you know, the darker atmosphere, and then also the the detective side of it. Um, really bringing, drawing that out. I thought that was good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought that was real good. Um, man, I can't think of any other, <laughs> like, real, over the past, I can think of like older movies and stuff. Well, um, let me ask you this then. Maybe, uh, maybe you can give me like some underrated directors or actors that you feel like people mm-hmm. don't pay attention to. This can be from any time, but mm-hmm. like people just don't pay attention to. I think one that to me is iconic, but had, and he's real discriminatory about the films that he makes and he really hadn't made made any recently but that's uh, Michael Mann and one of his most iconic films is the movie Heat uh, oh, that came out in yeah. the 90s in the mid 90s and it starred uh, Robert De Niro um, who else was in uh, Al Pacino mm. Robert De Niro Al Pacino uh, and it was a heist film is what it was and but it was real good and uh, I still one of my favorite movies and so uh, he's he directed the the show uh was one of the producers that went to uh, Miami Vice back in the 80s. Oh, okay. And um, I want to say he redirected the one that they remade in the early 2000s. Um, but Michael, man, he's always the the way that he he, he deserves some more mm. opportunities. But he's another one that's real picky about it. Yeah. And, and rightfully so. He can do that. Um, one that's not, another one that's not um, underrated by any means, but one – a director and producer that I enjoy is Martin Scorsese oh, as well. Yes, um, I mean, it's all yeah. you know, all his iconic films: Goodfellas, Casino. Right. Um, came up with The Irishman. Yeah. Uh, about Frank Sheeran, and uh, I've always been a fan of Scorsese. Speaking of him, did you watch the movie Silence? No, I didn't get to watch <laughs> that one yet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you borrow it or something because that one I need to watch. It. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is one of my. Um, it's one of the films that hit me the hardest in the mm-hmm. past 10 years. Wow. Um, not just because of the cinema, but just the story itself and uh-huh. the, the writing behind it. Um, it really kind of pushes you as a believer, I think. Wow. And he, he, he doesn't like push any agenda by any stretch of the means. Yeah. Um, but man, j- just imagine his writing style, but also with a very compelling story that uh-huh. gets both religious and non-religious people to really think about right. faith in general. Right. And so... Uh, yeah, highly, highly recommend that. I day. need to yeah. watch that one. That's one that I've meant to watch and I haven't, so I need to watch it. I might it. let you walk out with that. I got on my, on my, my board over there. Hey, bet. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like movies in general. You know, I like, and I'm, and when it comes to entertainment and, and even movies, I'm real open-minded. Mm. Um, 
you know, I so it, whatever is going to lend itself to the to the plot of the story or the tone of the movie, I'm down. Yeah. So if it's going to be an R rated movie, <laughs> let it be a hard R for right. me. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't mind the guns. I don't mind the violence. I don't mind the curse words. As long uh, as it's genuine. As long as it's genuine, you know. Yeah. Even if there's some nudity slipped in there. If it lends to the story, hey. Yeah. You know, that's what's up, you know. But at the, at the heart, I'm, a, I'm an artist, an artiste. Right. So well, I, I get that. Well, what would you say then is your... Is there a movie that pops into your brain that you think of as that kind of movie, the most, um, excuse my lack of better word here, mm-hmm. but more artistic film, something mm-hmm. that really stands out above all the rest, something mm-hmm. that um, it can be popular, not popular, but mm-hmm. do you have a personal favorite that you just go back to? Like that is the, the pinnacle of filmmaking. I got, uh, I'd say for me, storyline and, and all probably Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Martin Scorsese. Just the way he encapsulated, you know, the life of Henry Hill, and um, and just the what it what it's like to to grow up in that type of neighborhood, that type of Italian American neighborhood, yeah, um, you know, with those associations and and the good, bad, ugly, all of that, and the way he does it, and he slips in um, action, tragedy, um, comedy, mm-hmm. all that, and it's just uh, the music in it, and I, it's still that's an iconic film, right. Yeah, between that and Godfather and um, oh yeah, Godfather most of. <laughs> uh, was there's a third one? Uh, Gangs mm-hmm. of New York. Gangs of New York is a good. Those one. three have always kind of peaked. Uh-huh. I mean, of course they're gang and mafia related, but those uh-huh. those three have always kind of like no matter what, you can sit down and you will you will get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So I also like as far as TV show wise, I I do enjoy The Sopranos. Oh really? I rewatched that series. I don't know how many times I was actually watching an episode this morning while I was working out. <laughs> uh, and with that one, that one's cool, and uh, and just the the surrealism behind it too, because mm. there are elements of surrealism and and, and plus comedy, uh, and and just the the dichotomy between somebody who can go out, um, you know, and, and do a hit on somebody, mm. you know, essentially kill some someone, and then come home and make it in time for dinner, <laughs> with, you know, and uh, tuck his kids in the bed, and so just seeing that dynamic, you know, so. Were you? I, I'll be honest. I've never watched a single episode of The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. However, I was. Um, I read a lot enough to know that yeah. the last episode, the the series finale, yes. was, had a had a weird. It had mixed uh, reactions. It what, did. What, what was your reaction to it? I loved the ending. Okay, I loved the way it ended. And I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody who hasn't <laughs> seen it. But I know there were a lot of people that were throwing their pasta in there, <laughs> you know, and, and cussing at the TV. And, Spilling their wine on the floor when they find when, when it ended the way it ended. Yeah, but I thought it was genius uh, okay. the way it ended. And it it left it it left you in your head mm. you know, at the end of it to to think okay what really did happen mm. with these individuals with these characters at the end of the show and it, it allows you to pick up the story into right and I I thought it was I thought David Chase was a genius for that. Yeah, I I was spoiled by it, so I know what happens. But it reminds uh-huh. me a lot of the uh, the series finale of Breaking Bad, just uh-huh. the way it kind of leaves uh-huh. off. It's more of it really just leaves in your head. I yes. love that kind of create creativity in me a writer, too. Me too. where they leave you with not a conclusion but a continual discussion. Yes, and and that is that's very important to me because yes. as much as I love a superhero film where it's got a great ending where the mm-hmm. good guys win, right. um, I think that's why Infinity War is some people's favorite above end games because mm-hmm. the ending of it was open. You mm-hmm. know, who knows? These guys are maybe they're gone forever. And exactly. So it was very bold to leave it that way. I love open endings, yeah. you know, but then again, too, I'm a real cognitive person. So I'm a thinker. 
So I like to be able to think if, if it's not a plot line or something that I can chew on or even an ending mm-hmm. that allows me to think about what would happen afterward. Sometimes I feel let down. If yeah. It's always wrapped up clean with a bow at the end of mm-hmm. it. I'm like, oh, that was cute. <laughs> didn't leave me nothing to chew on. But yeah. I'm a thinker, so. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, hey, let's move on. Speaking of chewing on, mm-hmm. man, you're just setting up all my segues here. Oh, am I not? <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about cooking, man, because yes. uh, that is one of the other things that I've known from afar that you just love cooking. So uh, is that something that you've always kind of been into or is that something that you've been recently just trying to get into? Because I've, I've seen you mixing things, trying yeah. different things. I've and trying. I, I've always seen from afar. I'm always, always a little hungry yeah. watching your stuff. But yeah, what do you, how'd you get into it? I've always enjoyed cooking. Um, I used to, when I was a kid and into my teenage years, um, I would watch cooking, you know, shows, you know, which are actually kind of a rarity now. When you watch stuff like Food Network and stuff, right. mostly it's like food competitions and mm-hmm. stuff now, which is really not my favorite. But I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I watched all type of cooking shows. The, I can't forget it. There was a name of the, the Cajun Chef that would come on back in the day, and then you had even uh, way back Julia Childs and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but you know, but early Food Network stuff, Emeril Lagasse, Lagasse and uh, uh, Ina Garten, and you know, I, I, and so I enjoyed watching it. I enjoy food, um, and so I would watch those shows, and I would just kind of kind of replicate the things that they would make mm. in the kitchen at it, you know. Uh, and uh, also, I, I, I enjoyed cooking and eating, uh, just being around my grandmother, you know, on my, mm. um, on, my on my mom's side when we would visit them in uh, Stephenville, Texas. I, got st- I still got family up there. But we'd have get-togethers and stuff. So we'd have Christmas, so we'd spend Christmas here, but then we'd also go up there. Mm. we have Easter, you know, we, you know, celebrate here, but we also go up there. Right. And so and there was always a lot of food involved. Mm. And so um, I just always grew up around food. Uh, and even on my, on my father's side, when we would visit uh, family back in Puerto Rico, there was always food involved. <laughs> lots of food, lots of drink, like, lots of dancing and partying. And I, I think innately what I saw is that food always brought people together mm. and uh, having good food and good laughs, uh, you know, and having a good time was just all synonymous to yeah. me. And so for me, when I, when I'm cooking, um, I, 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 those same feelings are, are kind of just well up inside me, just having a good time. Even if it's just me in the kitchen by myself yeah. uh, uh, of sharing a family uh, and just and so yeah, I mean, I, it's an emotional experience for me, right? And, and even cathartic, it's therapeutic for me as well. Yeah. Because uh, are there any meals that you've tried to replicate from 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 your past that you remember? There were there were some that I that I that I did that were a success. There was a couple of steak recipes that went well. There were a couple of other recipes where oh, I did find out from trying recipes and stuff from the past. That I'm I'm a horrible baker. <laughs> uh, I'm terrible at baking. I love baked goods. I don't eat them so much anymore. I, I chosen more of a gluten free diet now okay. for dietary reasons. Uh, I can I don't digest it as well. Um, but uh, but when I did eat a lot of baked goods, uh, I enjoyed it. Mm. I just anytime I tried my hand at baking, <laughs> I would just suck at it. And, I'm like, ah, and the trash it goes. <laughs> um, but no, nah, I'm more yeah more more of a cook. So there are a lot of things. That I usually was pretty much able to replicate and do. Now, when I cook, I you know, uh, I don't use recipes at all. Mm. Uh, now, I, everything is by, by by scent, by taste, by texture, by um, I'm you know very much a, a feeler. Like, what is this? You know, what does this smell like? What does it smell feel like? What it tastes like? 
So I don't use my recipes at all now. Um, everything's just, if it tastes good, I'm rolling with it. All right. You know, this sounds like it might be a good combo. <laughs> I try it. Nine times out of ten, it, it, ends, up, it ends up tasting uh, delicious. So, awesome. um, yeah, I just... I just have fun with it, man. Yeah. Well, let me ask this final question then. Is there a, uh, rather a meal or a type of food that you feel like a lot of people don't know about that you would, that you'd recommend something? Uh, I, I remember my friend, um, one of my best friends, Janelle, she's a, she's a chef. And uh-huh. so I've always asked her, you know, what kind of, what she like to cook and what she like to eat. And I've been introduced to different foods because of her. And so mm-hmm. is there anything that you know of that you, uh, you think like a lot of people don't know? I've tried, um, I've tried all type of different foods, but one that, and it would be an acquired taste for most, but it's actually pretty good. I've, I've tried an octopus salad before, mm. um, and uh, octopus is cooked, of course. Right. But, uh, <laughs> the, I guess it's not always that way. <laughs> you're, right, depending on what country you're in. Yeah. But this one was good, and, um, you know, it's diced up, you know, and uh, a little bit on the chewy side, but I enjoyed it. So I think other people, if, you, if you're a good salad person, a cold salad type person, it's kind of almost a pasta salad. Yeah, and uh, but uh, I think you you enjoy it. Yeah, uh, if I were to feed it to you and I tell you what it was, <laughs> right? I'll tell you after the fact. You may you know you may hate me afterward <laughs> when I tell you, but but you'd enjoy it. Cool. All right. Well, I'll look forward to trying that. Now. Hey. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, what I love about uh, what we've already talked about is there seems to be a similar theme underneath it all, um, and you're an artistic person. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, Mr. Hernandez, but I, I feel like uh, I think I can. Not often, actually. Uh, well, let me say it. I, I think you are, and I think uh, um, between all the things that you love to do, but also the things that you have put out, including yeah. uh, some of the work that you put in at Grace, whether right. it's your graphic design or your preaching or um, uh, your, your, your cinematography, because I've seen you do some stuff behind the scenes, too. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel as a creative, as an artist? Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel... Um, do you feel like it's a part of you? Do you feel like it's something that comes out easy to you? And do you find yourself often grabbing things, grabbing energy, grabbing, mm-hmm. um, I guess, vibes? I guess mm-hmm. energy was the best word I can think of uh-huh. from these other things to create things. Because I, because I've always seen, especially like with your graphic design, as yeah. I've seen flavors of your other parts of your life come uh-huh. out in those things. And so yeah. how does that how does that roll in your mind? I I get inspiration from everything. So anything that I may be working on, whether it's uh, <clears throat> a dish that I'm preparing or cooking or, yeah, something I'm designing, or, or especially like a message, you know, whether it's a sermon or some type of talk that I'm giving, I draw inspiration from everything. Uh, so I'm a very visual person. Um, I love visual art. Um, I, I love all, all forms of, of art, you know, uh, whether it be sculpture, whether it be painting, drawing music, um, food, entertainment, and I just draw inspiration from everywhere. And I find for me, um, creativity, it, it kind of ebbs and flows like water. Um, and so at some point, and, and I almost have to catch it and, and, and just kind of jump in the flow mm. when it's there for me. Cause it's not always there. And what I've learned is not to force it. Mm. It's not to force, try to force creativity. Uh, cause when you do that, it just looks manufactured or comes across or tastes or, or what it, it tastes just manufactured. Yeah. And I've, I've learned to, you just, sometimes you got to wait. And that's why it's, it's so hard trying to explain to somebody how it is and, and what it is to be an artist. Um, cause from the outside looking in somebody who is not innately, uh, an artist, they can't understand it. It's like, you know, what do you mean you've been working on this project for 10 years? And, and what you, like, <laughs> Because I got to catch the flow. Yeah. If I'm not in that mind frame, if I'm not in that energy, 
if it, if the vibe just sitting there, I'm not going to force it because if I force it, it's, it's going to be inauthentic. And so I've just learned to what, whatever draws my eye or whatever draws my ear uh, or whatever draws my taste buds just to, to take that hone in on that and, and ask myself, how does this make me feel? And if I were to take this and to use this and funnel it into something, whether it be a message or a, or a dish or uh, uh, whatever it is, a poem, a song, uh, something visual that I'm creating, how is this going to make the other person feel? Right. And will it make them feel the same way it's making me feel right now? Mm. And how can I translate how I feel from this inspiration into something, some, some medium that can invoke that same feeling in them? Wow. And I almost see it as a challenge, yeah. if, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I, one of the things I've always noticed too, <coughs> excuse me, is you're, obviously you have a strong faith in God and yeah. you, you have a relationship with him. And um, I have seen that also along with the God-given talent, but also your hard work through your art, it flow through all of your other avenues, all uh-huh. the things that you do. Yeah. So how do you, um, I'll try to word this in, the, in, a, in, a, in a way I can, Explain right. it in my head. Right, right. Um, but have you always considered it that way of a divine, you know, a, a divine essence where do you feel like everything that you touch, everything that you do? Because a lot of times, mm-hmm. as we've discussed over the years, is there is a camp of people mm-hmm. uh, that believe that things like social media, things like graphic design right. aren't necessarily ministry. Yeah. Aren't necessarily, mm-hmm. they're tools, but they're not. Um, actually reaching people. They're uh-huh. just a way to grab attention. Uh-huh. And I think uh, I think it might be a safe assume on your end uh-huh. that there's a different angle that I think we think about that. Yeah. Would you mind kind of expounding on that maybe? Yes. I think that um, there is definitely a, a crucial place and a vital place for artistry um, within the realm of uh, quote-unquote ministry, if we go over that way. You know, for me, art is a ministry. Uh, it is ministry. Uh, when I look at the, when I look at the way that that the universe is and the cosmos and and just nature, uh, everything above ground, everything below water, everything, all the creatures, all the trees, all the sky, and that just just the act, that's art. Yeah, you know. And if we could say that's the hand of God, that that has you know whose hand is is over all that and and who's breathed life into all of us and just the the intricacy of the human body and all that, that's art. Uh, and so for me, it's, it's not, you can't separate the two saying this is ministry. That's art. That's entertainment. That's to me, every, every, everything points back to God. Yeah. Good stuff, bad stuff, ugly mm-hmm. stuff, the stuff we don't understand, um, triumph, tragedy, all that points back to God. Uh, God lives in our complexities. Yeah, you know he he he's there. You know, uh, and he is he, he he's 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 present everywhere and, and in everything. And so I definitely think there's a relevance to things like social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you said you know some people think well it's just to grab attention. Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> what's wrong with grabbing somebody's attention? Yeah, uh, with something visual, with the with the word or with this or with the song or with the poem or um, with the meme. Yeah. Know? Uh, you can take a meme and grab somebody's attention <laughs> and draw them in and, uh, and and then drop a greater truth within yeah. that caption once they read that meme. And it's like, oh, okay, 
I, I just laughed and now I'm pondering, you know, <laughs> <laughs> my existence, uh, you know. Uh, right. you see, and so it's like, I don't know. Art, art for me is not is not always just for the sake of art. It can it can be intentional, yeah. and it can be purposeful, especially in terms of utilizing it for as a ministry tool and pointing people to Christ, right? You know, and pointing people to faith and to a belief system in general. Yeah, yeah. I think what speaks out to me is you have books in the Bible like Ecclesiastes and mm-hmm. Job, where there is this deep tension, this mm-hmm. deep pain and even yes. deep confusion uh-huh. and you would think if that was something that was brought up today if you got on the on a platform you uh-huh. were to say i don't know how i feel today i don't know if god's real yes. right now uh-huh. you would think this is not a good sermon but yet we have that in our books of the bible right and so uh you know we, ha- and we i don't mean to cut you off but no go ahead we tend to run from that yeah. we tend to run from the tension so when there is when there is tension we want resolve mm. Kind of like we talked about earlier in, in you know in terms of uh, movies and entertainment, you know when there's not a an ending, whether it be happy or sad, if it's just open ended, we're like, hold on, right? No, 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 no. There's tension there for a reason, and uh, I think we need to learn how to process tension uh, in life, in our lives, in the you know in the complexities of our lives, in the contradictions mm. of our of our lives. How do we manage that that tension and process it? Not run from it, right. uh, uh, but but try to derive a greater truth from that tension, you know, for instance, and I heard a, a minister put it this way. We're talking about the prodigal son. Uh, you know, if anybody's familiar with that particular passage and in in that story, but the, the prodigal son, you know, he went away, did his own thing, spent all his father's money after gaining or, or, or demanding his inheritance, which his father granted him. And went out, did whatever, slept with prostitutes, blew it all. And ended up sleeping with pigs. Comes back home, and the father accepts him with open arms. Uh, meanwhile, the son, the, the, his sibling, who stayed and remained faithful and has been faithful to his father and to his father's household that whole time, he's upset. He's upset that the son, that the other sibling, not necessarily that he's back, but that that the father is throwing a big party for him. He's forgiven him, and uh, you know, he's, he's it's like it's like he, it's like he never went off and uh, and sinned you know, quote unquote, and did his own thing. Yeah. Uh, it's like he never left the house. And so the other brother, he's mad about it. He's upset about it. And, you know, the father asked him, why are you mad? We well, said, listen, you've never done this for me. I've been here the whole time, tended to things, tending to your affairs, never demanded an inheritance before time and all this. And then my brother comes back and there's this big old party after he went and, you know, blew all the money and did all, what's the deal, you know? And he, you know, father says, listen, you know, you, you hear you remain, but you know, you should be rejoicing because your brother who was once lost has come back. That's why we throw in the party. Why aren't you happy too? And it's like, but I've been here, you know? And if you, if you look at the text, the brother stays bitter. It didn't ever shows any resolve there. Yeah. And so it goes to show you, it's like, all right. In an attempt to, to regain one, you know, you may lose another. Right. You know? And that's kind of what happened in, in the text. And there was really no resolve or that was explained. Yeah. You know? uh, and that other son may have made bitter, remained bitter for the rest of his life. We don't know. Right. Tension, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what we run from. And so what, so what I think we can express in the arts, uh, in creativity, in social media, in all type of creative ways is tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and not always have a resolve. Right. Have a clear answer. And show that God is in the middle of that tension. Mm. Uh, no matter what it looks like, he's in the middle of that contradiction yeah. uh, in your life. Uh, so. Man, that's, 
another segue that you brought up in. Um, <laughs> one of the words that you used in referring to the the sibling who was upset, you said that the you know he was really directing the brother to be to to have joy. Yes, to, to have uh-huh. even in this moment yep. where he could be jealous and envious uh-huh. and upset because maybe he felt like he wasn't treated correctly yes. or wasn't wasn't um, he didn't feel like he had the right attention at the time or whatever it might mean. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you because this is one of the reasons why I, I don't just love you as a friend, but I just mm-hmm. I, I, you know love you as a human being because um, you know I've been here since two thousand and four, and so yeah. I mean I've always had a close relationship with you, but I've always kind of known you from a distance. Right, right. And uh, you've been through a lot of things. You, you've yes. had a lot of <laughs> you've had a lot of challenges, and uh-huh. it's not just to you, but to people that you care about. Yes. And so I sure. wanted to ask you because I feel like this is the one of the main reasons why I want to talk to you is because it almost seems like an art. It almost mm. seems like something that ties in. Yeah. This, is why I, this is why I wanted to ask you all those other things before okay. is because I feel like it all ties in. There's an yes. art behind not just your work, not just behind the music, not just behind the movies, your your work that you do at the church or the yeah. cooking that you do at home, but there seems to be this underlying artwork of joy in your yeah. life. Uh-huh. How do you balance that? How do you um, obtain that yes. even when things are upside down? Yeah, I, yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying, and the it's funny because uh, I've heard T.D. Jakes use this phrase before and he even kind of crafted a message around it and he was talking to leaders and uh, the title of that message was The Art of Not Knowing. Mm. And I think for me, I can honestly say and if I can use that same title um, uh, as just really kind of a, a life statement is I really have just learned the art of not knowing mm. um, to and uh and we talked about this earlier prior to to uh, to us talking now, but circle, yeah, it's like <laughs> I've learned that you know even when I don't know what's happening to me, uh, I don't understand. That's probably a better word. If I don't understand what's going on with me or people connected to me that I care about, uh, if I can just trust that God knows um, and lean on that, that's really where that joy derives from. Because in any given situation, uh, even when when I'm just walking through hell. If I know that God's there with me, I don't have to know all the details. I don't even have to know the outcome. As long as I know that he is there, he's watching over me, uh, and he's making the path straight, Um, you know, even if it feels like I'm walking on fire, you know, like a fire walker. As long as he's making that path straight, and I know that he's there with me, he's there before me, he's he's a guard behind me and to the side of me, um, I I know I'm okay, and and I don't have to know. I can I can I can walk in I'm trying to find a way to put it just I can walk in literal ignorance you know to a degree almost a willful ignorance knowing that I don't I, to be honest I don't even want to know all the answers <laughs> God I just want you to show me the next step mm. this next step uh and just guide me in this step even if those steps lead me in a direction that I didn't see for myself yeah or if if where you're leading me is not what I had in mind as long as I know that you have the end in mind, I don't have to walk out and live out what I had in mind and what I desired for my life. And I've had to learn that. I hadn't always been that way. Um, I used to get disappointed and depressed when things didn't turn out the way that I had in mind. Uh, but when I realized that my ideals, you know, my ideal life, my ideal wife, my ideal career, career my ideal uh, just kind of creative flow and, and whatnot, when, when my ideal, when my ideals didn't 
they my what my reality didn't match up with my ideals, I would get upset. Mm. And I said, wait a minute, I've created an idol out of my ideals, mm. my ideal situation. Uh, and so I need to cast down that idol, <laughs> like the word says, and, and trust and lean on God and ask God, uh, you know, God, you know, forget what I desire for my life. You know, what do you desire for me yeah. and my family? And what, what have you called and created me to do? Not what I want to do. What, what, what do you need me to do? What have you, uh, what is your desire for me? And when I do that, it always means, leads me back into a place of joy. Yeah. Not happiness, because happiness, of course, is just temporal and based mm. upon feelings. And my feelings are up and down like a roller coaster all the time. <laughs> I'm an emotional person. I guess that comes with that kind of artistic side. And, uh, and I, you know, so if I already if I always leaned on how I felt, uh, I'd be a basket case. Mm. Um, and so I, I can't. I, I have to lean on that joy, which is a, a constant and consistent uh, knowing that God has got me even when I don't know what the heck is going on in right. my life at any given time. Mm. Yeah, and that's you know I'll kind of you know start closing out with with this question and this thought because um, and this is not to take away from your individuality, but yeah. there does seem to be rather a contagion in mm-hmm. the most positive way, even with your family. I've noticed because yeah. you know, I, granted, I haven't met one of your brothers, but between your father and your mother and, uh, and Emmanuel, yeah. um, it seems like every single time there was something going on, yeah, rough, hard, yes, frustrating, confusing. Yes. Uh, rather you guys seemed like you had that joy or you guys, um, you, you had the positivity and you Mm -hmm. had that choice as you just explained to be okay with the unknown. Yeah. Is that something that you felt like kind of growing up with that you had in your home, something that, um, is is shared amongst your family because I mean I I love your brother Emmanuel yeah. like crazy too because uh, he's always brought that into my life as well it's just something that you two do is yeah. just you bring that joy and that life in other people's lives so yeah. uh, do you feel like there's a common thread there I think so I think for us just you know growing up as a family unit um, we if nothing else uh, whether we it was good times or bad times or uh, you know abundant times or lean times. I mean, we, at the end of the day, we always had our faith and we had each other. We had family. And so we always knew that we could rely on our faith, uh, you know, in God vertically in our family, you know, the, you know, our, 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 our family innately, whether it was blood or friends or close friends. And so I think growing up, we always just leaned on those things where, you know, at the end of the day, God got us and then we got each other. And if we just come into agreement that God has our best interest in mind and he's going to take care of us, uh, even like I said, even if the end plays out and it doesn't look like what we had in mind. And we especially especially had to walk that out with the death of my mother um, when we saw, you know, dealing with her having stage four colon cancer and seeing her walk out that process uh, of healing, which led to her eventual healing and God healing her ultimately by, you know, taking her home to be with him. Um it was uh it wasn't easy for her you know but it really wasn't easy for us either but uh we always knew that god no matter what happens no no matter how it looks uh we know that we can still be joyful and and all the way up until that you know till she took her last breath um which i was sitting there when when she did and that other family members came around when i when i noticed her breathing it was getting few and far between uh to, you know just Looking at her body, cancer ridden, just she's really just bones at that point. Uh, 
she took her last breath, you know, we were all joyful. And any tears that were shed in that moment were tears of joy. Um, and, of course, there was some sadness there. But, I mean, it was a special moment when she passed. And we just gathered around and prayed. I think we sang a song. And, uh, you know, coroners came and declared it that she had passed. And they came and, you know, retrieved her body. And, and we were left there to process that after her, her body, you know, left the home. And uh, even in that time of processing, we were joyful. Mm. And that's when I knew, man, we're going to be okay. And if, if we can get through that, we can get through anything. And, um, yeah, so faith and family. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what it's all about. It's like knowing that, that God, God's got you. He's got you. As long as you trust him, believe in him, and, um, and, and are willing to just take the next step, those next steps, not leaps, just the next step. Mm-hmm along your pathway, even if it's a hard one, just know that God's guiding you. He's got you. And know that you got people in your corner. Even if you don't have blood family around, there's somebody out there that you can lean on, uh, that, that you can call on, who is family to you, that can help walk you along in that process, uh, even in the midst of, of, of not knowing. You know, God knows. Mm. It's powerful. <laughs> it's powerful, my friend. I was, I was going to... You, you answered so many questions that I was going to bring up. You know, how do you, you know, how, how would you translate this to other people? And I think uh-huh. you summed it up perfectly there at the end. It, it's, it's about your faith. It's about your, your family. It's about the lateral. It's about yes. the people you got around you. and um, Roots and, and, and branches, you know. Mm. You know, make sure you got a strong root system and then make sure those branches as well, you know. And then you, that, that, that tree will grow the way that it's supposed to, you know. The tree being, you know, metaphorically speaking, your life, you know. Uh, Stay rooted. Stay rooted in your faith, and you'll grow up strong. And you'll and uh, and make sure those branches, you know, those people that you're connected to, uh, that 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 you stay connected with them uh, in your life, and you'll be okay. You can withstand the storm. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, like an oak tree. You know what I'm saying? And stick mm-hmm. around for for many years and, and do what you've been called to do and created to do. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, sir, I think that's a great place to, to end this conversation. So. Um, again, I genuinely 1,000% love uh, our conversations, whether it's on the mic or off. And, uh, so I want to thank you again for just taking the time to come out and talk no with problem. me thank and you. talk to our friends. Uh, is there any place that people can reach you on social media, email, you know, yes. MySpace, you know, whatever? They can <laughs> hit, I mean, they can hit me up on um, – they can hit me up on IG. Uh, it's at it's, uh, at Carlito C A R L I T O two five four. So at Carlito two five four, you can follow me on IG. You can even message me that way. Um, or if you want to have more of a dialogue conversation, you can always email me. You can shoot me an email. I'm always checking my my, my work email. That is, <laughs> but Carlos C A R L O S at my grace S M Y G R A C E dot org. Carlos at my grace dot org. Hit me up via email. Or again, like I said, at Carlito254 on uh, IG, on Instagram. I'd love to, to, to dialogue with you. Yeah, man, that's one, that's, yeah, I think, I think it's a great way to summarize this. Man, you always, let me leave on a funny note. Yeah. When, when, working, at the, when working at Grace, uh, I always noticed that between you and even Emmanuel and uh, you always, uh, you guys always seem to love to, not love to, but mm-hmm. at least, um, while everyone else avoided conversations with yeah. people who um, may not be easy to have conversations with, right, you guys right. always seem to to be able to have those. And so yes. <laughs> we, I, 
<laughs> I love I love conversing with and talking with and and just attempting to make a connection with people <laughs> who may just have a different personality, right, or a little right. bit more difficult personality to deal with. And uh, it's an art form. I tell it's you an that. art. <laughs> it is very much an art form that uh, not everybody can 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 engage in, but. I, I like it. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think my whole family is just kind of that way. We, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's our personalities or our family dynamic. It's just oh, there's just, a love there. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, a, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just we. It's easy for us to connect with people that other people can't connect with, mm-hmm. or find it hard to connect with. And uh, I just, for me, I just try to find a common ground. And I, I, what helps is to find uh, just. Uh, Find something that's funny. It's a level of humor <laughs> there. And if I can get somebody laughing, yeah, I can make anybody my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great way to yeah, end it, man. sir. Thank you again so much for that's taking the time no, out no, here. Thank you. Yeah, I love you, brother. I appreciate I you. you. And uh, guys, we'll be right back with the rest of the show. And uh, thank you again. Hey, peace out. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back, 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 back. Thank you to, uh, again, to Carlos uh, for that interview. We appreciate him, his time, and his his great perspectives. His many efforts. Many efforts? Yeah. It took effort to be here. That's true. Yeah, he had to drive here. At least a little bit. He doesn't live, like, super far, but no, still. All right, well, uh, moving along, we have some fan questions um, that we, we have. So, oh, wait, we have, a, we have a fan question button. We do. That's no, that's not, not it. Fan qu- Bro, you're screwing up the buttons. Oh, today. here it is. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris, you start. All right, so this first question actually comes from my lovely wife, Janelle. And she asked, what's your favorite scented candle? Hmm. And I've got to be honest with you, man. As many scented candles as she has bought, I have no idea. (laughs) Jessica has this one that, like, I don't like strong scents, period. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even like cologne that much. Like, I just, I don't like it. I I don't want to be smelling anything for long periods amount of time. Um, However... Jessica bought this candle. It's like fall bourbon. Like it's got like this fall smell to it, and it's got bourbon scent to it. Right, um, right. And it's just enough to where it's like if it's on for just a few minutes, and I can smell it in the room for a little bit, and it fades away. It, it's pretty nice. So here's my thing. I don't like food scented candles because if I walk into my house and it smells like fresh baked cookies, and there's no fresh baked cookies, <laughs> I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> but. We go to, um, it's not Bed Bath Beyond. It's the other one. Uh, bath, bath, Bed Bath, Bath. Oh. Um, bath Bed. Uh, oh. Uh, bath, uh, oh, it's the one that, uh, it's bath, the one that. Bath, bod, bath and Body Works. <laughs> okay, sorry. It took a second. Um, we go to Bath and Body Works a I love, lot. I love to see where you, how your brain got there. <laughs> I had to, like, follow the trail. Um we go to Bath and Body Works a lot, and we buy candles as much as we physically can. Okay. So one that I tried recently was like a lavender blueberry or lavender blackberry mm. candle, and it was really nice. Okay. Um, 
I also really like tropical smells, like mm. the the mango and ocean side breeze or whatever they're called. Yeah, they always give them weird names. Right, of course. Um, and then there was one that she got that was like an apple pie, something or other. It's like a fall scent, mm. and that was just really nice. I always got upset because I wanted apple pie, but you know it's worth it because it does smell really nice. Yeah. Finding a favorite, though, is really hard to do because yeah. I've tried so many candles. I don't, th- I don't think I've ever thought about my favorite candle scent, so I, I, that's the only one that came to mind, so I guess that's my favorite. It would definitely take me a minute to figure out which one was my favorite. Even if you had, like, all of them lined up in front of me, I couldn't just be like, that one's my favorite because it all depends on your mood, you know? <laughs> Can you imagine, like, you know how, like, Rhett and Lee, they have those episodes where they'll, like, taste every single, like— Monster energy drinks. Like, they had an episode about that where yeah. they, they taste every single one. Can you imagine that for, like, candles, though? Bro, that would get expensive <laughs> as hell because those candles are, like, 25 bucks a pop. <laughs> On sale, they're maybe 12 That's still, like, a 1,000 candles at $12 right. a pop. That's so much money. Oh, my God. Maybe maybe you have to have, like, this special contraption to where it only – it's like this like has, like, this little this – little, I don't know what you call it, but like this little um, tube where you have to put it in your nose so you don't like mix up the smells or anything. Smell-o-vision. Smell-o-vision. <laughs> like in Futurama. Right. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, no, my, my favorite thing about candles, though, truthfully, is my daughter, Ellie. Her, her reaction to candles anytime she sees one is she wants to smell it. Mm. So, like, I'll hold it up to her nose. But she hasn't quite grasped the sound of an S yet. Oh. <laughs> they all sound like Fs. <laughs> So she goes, a smell. Aww. And it is really cute. <laughs> you want to smell it, baby? A smell. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I don't know. Thank you for that question, Janelle. Yes. Who's uh, next? All right. So my wife, my lovely wife, asked. My wife. My wife. Uh, she asked, what was that? Uh, what would you name your boat if you had one? Right off the top. Not a pun, but I would spell it with a K so that it is a pun. See that one? Uh, Shark Slayer, depending on the type of boat. Okay. Or Hickory Dickory. And I would only park it on one side of the dock so that it says Hickory Dickory Dock. (laughs) Like Hickory Dickory, and then you've got the actual dock right there. Yeah. Because I'm clever. I've uh, thought about buying a boat recently, so really? that's, that's why these three names are all, already in my head. I'm sure there are others that I could find. Um, one of my favorite boat names is Bodie McBoatface. Bodie McBoatface. Oh, yeah, those from that, uh, that the, thing that happened, yeah, right? Yeah, the online, like, we, we just got this massive shipping container. You guys get to name it. Right. And everybody's like, Bodie McBoatface. And they're like, we're not doing that. Stop. <laughs> but that's the name that won. <laughs> So uh, is this a democracy or not? <laughs> you said we get to vote. This is what we voted. And that is why public opinion should not be taken into account during votes. Uh, I never really thought about this. A few that come to mind. Uh, this is a boat. I mean, yeah. Simple. Plain and just, simple. Like in the period has to be there. Like it's just this with is a period. boat. Yeah. With the period. Um, it's factual for sure. Uh, a boat face. Ooh, I like yeah. that one, a boat face. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. The captain, maybe, just out of respect to the captain from How Much Mother. Yeah, he is a total douche in the new one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, I've only seen him like for a clip, so don't reveal anything to me. I'm, I'm okay. only caught up to like, episode six or something. Okay, fair enough. Well, yep, there you go. There you go. All right, boat names. I dig. All right. 
So that's what we would name our boat. That is what we would name if our boat. If we had three or four boats apiece. I think a boat face. I think that's the one. A boat face is the one you like. I think so. <laughs> I think I like not a pun. Because with the K, yeah. you know, like the speed of a boat. Right. I think I like that one. By the way, I don't know if this is true or not, but I learned it from the internet. Um, but I learned where the term knots come from, like as a measurement of speed. Uh, basically, Go on. Basically, they had a rope that they would like they would have a weight at the end of it but they would tie knots at every s- such increment of rope and depending on how fast the boat was going they would feel the knots that go past their hand oh, and like that's like ten, so it was like literal like knots it went 10 knots past my hand in like 30 seconds right. so it's going 10 knots i like that so i don't know if it's true that, or not but it makes sense it's odd but yeah it makes sense i mean I how how else back in the day are you going to measure that true true very true. Okay. I guess it's like the, the Roman Legion thing where they did the, like, how many digits on each finger you have. Right, 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 right. And that's how they got up to, like, 144 or whatever it was because you, like, each finger and then you put it down and then you do the digits on everything else and then you put a second finger down. Right. That's, that's really cool how they figure out measuring stuff like that. Okay, I'm going to look it up right now. Here we go. But okay. I'll tell you what. Americans will use anything but the metric system. Okay, here it is. Here's here's another thing from the internet. The term knot dates from the 17th century when sailors measured the speed of their ships using a device called a common log. It was a rope with knots at regular intervals. There you go. Yeah. There, there you go. You learn something every day. It's uh, it's, uh, it's just a literal knot. We should knot. put that in our things I learned from the internet segment. Oh, yeah. Well, it's too late now. Too late now. All right, moving on. What's our next question? (laughs) All right. Tiara asked, what celebrities do you think are in the Illuminati? I think it's not the ones you would suspect. I think if anything that Taika Waititi has taught us, it's that it's always the characters that you never think of. Yeah. I think it would be people like, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of people that I don't think of. Christoph Waltz. Oh, yeah. That man is 100% in the Oh, he's a leader. He is the leader. Are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) It's a bingo. 100%. One hundred percent, he's in the Illuminati. A uh, lot of people say Beyonce and Jay Z. No, I don't think so. No, they're no, they're they're too they're too A list. I, I think I think you got to think of people like um, B and C list mm-hmm, celebrities, mm-hmm, like yeah. people that are like behind the scenes but still kind of reaping the benefits. Right. People yeah. that if you found out they had a bunch of money, you'd be like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Uh-huh. But like you're not like looking into them. Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of people. Mm. Also, Christoph Waltz, Toby Maguire. Do you think Tobey Maguire's in the Illuminati? I think so. Is that why he's your least favorite Spider-Man? Yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> you just don't trust him. Don't that's trust what it him. is. Ooh. Um, Maybe that's why he's been, like, not giving any... I mean, he's a bad actor, too. But, it's like, not giving any roles just because oh, they do the Illuminati. <laughs> I think... And hear me out. I know we just said not, like, super A-list celebrities. But I think Leo is in the Illuminati. No. I think it's too on the nose for him. It, it's not. That's the thing. You would think so because you would think so. <laughs> They want you to not think that. I think Leo DiCaprio is in the Illuminati, and that's why it took so long for him to get his Oscar. Oh, man, I don't think so. Because, you know, if he's winning awards all the time and if he's starring in all these movies and everything, (laughs) but notice, like, the the worse, the more time goes on, the worse his movies have gotten, in my opinion. Right, right. So now that he's on the the dive, he can win Oscars. (laughs) So he just wins an Oscar for The Revenant. That's not even his best film. I know, I know. All so right, he, he just sense. happens to win it. <laughs> um, let's see who else. One more. Oh, you know who I think it is. Who do you think it is? Pete Davidson. Oh my god! 
<laughs> I mean, you're you're gonna look at that man, look him <laughs> in the face, and tell me that he can pull Ariana Grande and Kim K. Is it the power he holds? <laughs> it has to be. It has to be the power. Oh my gosh. There's yeah. no way, no way in hell in, in the, <laughs> that that man has that much pull for those types of women. <laughs> and he's on SNL. Yeah. And he's a writer for God knows how many things. Yeah. Making all that money and still lives in Staten Island, by the way, hmm. with his mom. <laughs> he still lives with his mom making and look, no, no shade. Yeah, like, he's a wild person. <laughs> he is. His life is just crazy yeah. out there. I want to know what what's going on behind the scenes in his life. Right. He has to be Illuminati. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Have you you've seen? No, you haven't watched uh, what we do in the shadows, the TV show. Not the TV show. No. You need to. I know. I need to. It's also on my list. Shut up, Tim. I'm the <laughs> one that showed you the movie. I know, and now you're slacking. <laughs> But there's there's an episode where they have like this meeting of the vampires, right? And like these all these random like side like celebrities that you would never think of. But then of course Tyka's there. But yeah, that's what that's what me think about. Like you know, it's got to be these random actors that who would not you know like be the first person in your mind. But anyways, Nicholas Cage. Oh, one thousand percent. Oh yeah, yeah. Him and uh, him and um, um, who else? Yeah, he would be a leader in there. I could see that. Anyways, moving on, we uh, we had some extra time today, and so we are doing one last segment uh, for you all, and that is Things I Learned from the Internet. Give it to us, Chris. All right. So there's a motorcycle stunt in the James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It is really cool. Yeah. And it took 8,400 gallons of Coca-Cola being poured onto the street of Italy to make that stunt possible. <laughs> and this this is not like just 8,400 gallons of Coca-Cola just so that it looks like the street is wet. This is actually like they poured it and they had to let it dry a little bit so because be Coca-Cola is a very sticky soda. <laughs> And there's no way they could have done that stunt on that street without having some kind of extra grip. Added. Right. You you, you got to think like they must have had to clean it off too, though, right? Like you can't. I mean, I guess oh, rain should sure. do it, but between buying the cokes, paying people to do it, waiting for it to dry, shutting down the street, <laughs> and then cleaning it up, seventy thousand dollars for that one wow. stunt. Wow. That's how much it costs. Seventy k. That's incredible. Is there the, is the it? amount of money they spend on movies? You would think, like, did they pick, like, name brand Coca-Cola, or did they go with, like, an off-brand? I'm hoping it was, like, RC. <laughs> Just, that's the only way RC Cola stays in business. They sell their movie, they sell their sodas to movies for sticky scenes. That's how they're doing it. Who buys this? They Nobody. Do, nobody. <laughs> nobody. That's how they're staying in business. They're the movie scene cola. That's it. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, are there, like, even other, like, what other, there's got to be stickier things out there. like Not stickier than RC <laughs> Cola, that's for sure. Coca-Cola's like, we need to make our soda taste better. 
Pepsi's like, we need to add more variety to our sodas. RC Cola, we need it stickier. <laughs> it's got to be stickier. <gasps> to bring this full circle, do you think they use some of the slime from those those uh, those uh, hagfish? Nope. <laughs> nope, I don't think they use that at all because that's gross and I hate it. I don't even I want. It full I never circle. want to think about I'm that again. I'm just proud of myself. For I that never full want to think all. about that again. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. The images I've seen will never leave my mind. <laughs> you guys got to look at those images. They're Please great. Don't. Save yourselves the trouble. <laughs> don't do it. Okay, okay. But speaking of though, like, are there stickier sodas out there? I'm trying to think because when I was working at the movie theater, we would have to like put in the syrups for the fountain drinks, right? And I remember like some were just stickier than others. I remember Sprite being super sticky. Which is weird. You would think the darker sodas would be super oh, sticky yeah. because they have, like, the extra dyes and, mm-hmm. like, it's just thicker. Right. But, hmm. I don't know. Like, do you think Fanta would be sticky enough? They use real sugar. Is sugar slippery? I think sugar, sugar would be sticky if it's heated, but I don't know what it does after that. We need, a, we need Hank Green again. Hank Green. We need you. Help us. Somebody tag Hank Green in this is, podcast. Is sugar sticky or not? Oh, I guess it's sticky, but is it? Is it? Would it be sticky enough if it's real sugar, or would like aspartame be right. stickier? That's that's the burning question. Was it Coke, or was it Diet Coke? Ah, uh, or yeah. well, I guess it, we know it wasn't Coke because RC Cola is working their hardest. So was it <laughs> RC Cola or Diet RC Cola? <laughs> uh, what is the least known Coke out there? <laughs> um, no, that's like that would that would be the answer to that. I'm the, trying to think if there's anything that I know less than RC, like other than like the Sam's Choice, right? The, the, the great Mr. value, Mr. Pib, Mr. Um, Pib, Dr. Pepper's pretty sticky. Do you think they just use Coca Cola because they were in Italy? Because that's like know. a real big thing there. Maybe, maybe it was just convenient. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Fun things that we learn from the internet, though. Yeah, very nice. Wow, that was extraordinarily yeah. well, I, loud. I, I meant to like drum, but it didn't. My ring hit the thing. I'm yeah, sorry. Take it easy. Don't tell me what to do, Tim. Be chill. Okay. All right, guys. That is the end of our show. Chris, any final thoughts for today? Um, final thoughts. Hagfish are gross. Um, Nick Cage is definitely in the Illuminati. Yeah. I think we should go buy a boat. Yes. What yeah. would what would we like if it was a company boat? What would we name it? Oh. Maybe that's a question for you, the listener. Uh, the always more Bobcast. Bobcast? Yeah, like the fishing bobbers. <laughs> and we would put like a fishing rod with the, the string going yes. across to make the teeth. Oh. Like the perfect cast. Look at you. These are right off the yeah, dome, right, man. Very nice. I got puns for days. <laughs> I got puns for days. All right, guys, this is for it's you, though. Day. If you can come up with a better name for a boat than Chris did, please let us know. Because we're probably going to buy a company boat at one point in time, <laughs> even if it's just like a rowboat, just 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 to have it, <laughs> or just like a, a toy boat that we can. Oh, there you go. Because with our budget, that's all we can afford. <laughs> <That's> all we- <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go to the we'll go to the the local uh, swim park and we'll uh, we'll let it go down the lazy river. If we're lucky, <laughs> we'll find a remote control boat on <laughs> Facebook Marketplace or something. <laughs> Somebody's like ten bucks, you can have it, and then we'll have to put personal money into it because we still don't have money. <laughs> Podcasters need money, guys. Help oh us out. Oh, my gosh. All right, guys. Well, on that note, uh, 
we're closing out. Thank you again to Carlos for spending the time with us. And that, Thanks, Carlos. That, thank you so much. You are amazing, sir. We love you. And uh, thank you all again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate uh, on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at, at AlwaysMorePod. Chris, where can we find you on the internet? I am on Instagram at Captain underscore CT Ford. I am on TikTok as at Christopher.Lionheart. Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Timothy Lichty and on TikTok at Timothy, or excuse me, Tim Lichty. It's spelled L-I-E-C-T-Y. And thank you again for listening and for being a part of the conversation. And remember, there's always more than this. Bye, everybody. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Always More podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, share, like, and rate on whatever your platform of preference is. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Always More Pod. If you'd like to submit a question, you can ask us on any of our social media platforms, or you can leave us a voicemail at 254-218-4042. If you'd like to feed into our caffeine addiction as well as support the podcast financially, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash alwaysmorepod. For further information and to contact us, you can email us at alwaysmorepodcast at gmail.com.